Welcome to Socially Distant, Spiritually Close, a podcast dedicated to exploring the biggest spiritual questions of this complex and challenging moment. I'm your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. We'll switch gears now to uh, think about and talk about uh, a, a little bit about the Torah portion this week, uh, Parashiot Bahar Mbukukotai, the last two Parashiot of uh, the book of Leviticus. Uh, and uh, before we start uh, our study, uh, we'll, we'll again recite a blessing for uh, studying Torah. Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kichanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu, Parashat Bahar begins chapter 25. Emery read for us so beautifully from a, a portion of it. Uh, and that portion that he read will, will be more understandable if it's situated in context. So chapter 25 begins by saying, The infinite spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. Speak to the Israelite people and say to them, When you enter the land that I assign you, the land shall observe a Sabbath of the infinite. Six years you may sow your field, and six years you may prune your vineyard and gather in the yield. But in the seventh year, the land shall have a Sabbath of complete rest, a Sabbath of the infinite. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap the aftergrowth of your harvest or gather the grapes of your untrimmed vines. It shall be a year of complete rest for the land. So this passage uh, introduces an idea known as the Shemitah, uh, the, the sabbatical year of the land. Uh, and this is a year in which uh, no plants can be uh, planted, no crops can be uh, harvested, uh, the land is to lie fallow, and all of its yield, all of its produce uh, will be uh, essentially fair game uh, for anybody to uh, take from and to eat from uh, as they need and as they desire. What we also learn uh, later on from the portion about this year is that uh, during the sabbatical year, debts are forgiven uh, and no crops, as I mentioned, are planted. Uh, Rabbi Jill Jacob says, as a result, the gap between the rich and poor necessarily closes during the Shemitah year. As landowners cease agricultural production, while the poor free themselves from debt. Therefore, verse 9 in our portion uh, will uh, come to warn against refusal to lend to the poor as the Shemitah year approaches, although the lender risks not getting his money back. But the portion continues to talk not only about the Shemitah, but what Rabbi Jacobs calls a super Shemitah, called the Jubilee or the Yovel. Uh, so in verse 8, it begins, you shall count off seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the period of seven weeks of years gives you a total of 49 years. Then you shall sound the shofar loud. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, the day of atonement, you shall have the shofar sounded throughout your land. And you shall hallow the 50th year. You shall proclaim release throughout the land for all its inhabitants. The Hebrew there is ukratem dror ba'aretz l'chol yoshveha. You shall proclaim liberty uh, as the Liberty Bell uh, uh, encapsulates those words, memorializes those words uh, on its side. You shall proclaim release or liberty or freedom throughout the land for all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you shall return to his holding and each of you shall return to his family. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. You shall not sow, neither shall you reap the aftergrowth or harvest of the untrimmed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you, 
you may only eat the growth direct from the field. The portion continues to uh, reiterate the principle that underscores this. Uh, in verse 23, the land must not be sold beyond reclaim, for the land is mine. You are but strangers resident with me. And then uh, in talking about uh, the, uh, the obligation to release slaves uh, during the Jubilee year, during the sabbatical year, uh, it, uh, it, it says uh, in verse 55 of this chapter, for it is to me that the Israelites are servants. They are my servants who I freed from the land of Egypt. And the Talmud in commenting on that says that this means that, that uh, we are all of us servants to God, equal in our servitude to God, and so that we cannot be uh, servants of servants. We cannot make servants um, for ourselves. So this is a super Shemitah, as uh, Rabbi Joel Jacob says. Uh, it is uh, when slaves are freed and the land returns to its original owner. So this is one of the Torah's most radical ideas, uh, as, you can, as you can tell, uh, and one of its most intriguing ideas, perhaps one of its most uh, powerful ideas for social justice and for remaking society. Um, and so I've invited a, a, a dear friend uh, and uh, an inspiration to me, uh, a, a true uh, social justice warrior and, uh, and biblical scholar, uh, Pastor Ralph Hodge of uh, Second Baptist Church on the uh, south side of Richmond, uh, to join us today and have a conversation of, about this passage and, and help us make sense of it. So, Pastor, are you there? Yes, good morning. I apologize. As soon as you uh, started the Torah, uh, my laptop froze, so I had to jump on my iPhone. So hopefully you can hear me. Uh, well, I can hear you. Maybe God's sending you a sign. <laughs> Did I need a MacBook? <laughs> or that you need a MacBook? Or I don't know. I was thinking about something like, you know, uh, we, we freeze everything on the sabbatical year on the Jubilee. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, this year, my second sermon of the year was um, Take a Sabbath. And uh, so my church, is, we're enjoying a tremendous Sabbath uh, during this pandemic. Wow. Yeah. So, um, so let's just jump right into this because there's, there's so much that we could talk about with, with this passage. Uh, you know, I, I didn't even get into uh, what uh, Emery read, which is that um, uh, not only during the sabbatical year uh, as it approaches, but, but throughout uh, the year, uh, uh, we're not allowed to uh, lend on interest, right? All our loans right. are zero interest loans. So we didn't even get into that. So I, I don't know. I mean, we have this big sweeping uh, social program. Uh, that, uh, that, that the Bible, that the book of Leviticus uh, yes. presents to us here. How, how do you make sense of this? Um, well, well, just piggybacking on, on what you just shared with what Emory read in that uh, 35th through the 38th verse, the idea that when a person was in trouble and needed to uh, uh, lease out their land, that I did what, did no interest. Um, and that could be a, a loan for 49 years <laughs> of no interest. Uh, which is so radical. And I think, as you said, the rabbi called it a super, a super Sabbath, uh, a super uh, jubilee. Um, this idea, that's, a, that's, a, that's so, uh, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure if just if radical is even a good word for it, but it's just, it's just revolutionary. I'm going to use that term um, to say we're going to do stuff, uh, you know, no interest. And the idea, I think when I was looking at the text, 
some words come to my mind. I think the idea when you know you look at it's to proclaim liberty in this year. That's rejoice. You know, so how can you and how can you uh, have this jubilee, this this uh, yovel, if people are in debt? You know, who who in debt in 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 a, in a lot of debt can celebrate? Who enslaved can celebrate? And so you can't have a celebration. Um, you can't have the yovel. You can't. We're, we're people in debt. Because if I'm in debt, or a lot, and definitely a lot of debt, or I'm bound up, how do I celebrate? Yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it, it's so interesting. What you're what you're pointing out there is the the, the connection between uh, debt uh, and servitude. You know that uh, um, that that it's that 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 if you you know are are in perpetual uh, debt to someone or or something, um, you can't really be free. No, you're not. Uh, you know, so um, one of the things that the that the uh, that the jubilee year does, right, is you know this, this sort of self conscious um, uh, release of of slaves of of servants uh, and uh, the reversion of property back to its uh, ancestral owners. Um, and so I, I wonder if you uh, have any thoughts about about that. I mean, like obviously. You know, there's a sort of radical reorientation of society. What, like, is that a good idea, bad idea? What, what does that accomplish? Oh, well, well from my perspective, it's, a, it's an awesome idea. I think it goes back to the idea when God was taking the Israelites out of Egypt and preparing them for the promised land over and over again, um, the issue came up of land, but it wasn't their land. It's his land. He said they could possess the land, but he ultimately is the owner of the land. And so um, when we sing our hymns, we talk about the sovereignty of God. Um, God's all powerful, but God also owns everything. And so it's not our land. Um, we're, we're leasing the land from God, you know, and we're, we're, we're borrowers. We're, we're, it's his land. And so God, uh, you know, we, we don't get to decide who gets it. It's the Lord. And so once he has given it out, I think in Numbers 26, when they did the census and they were all, just the land was distributed, um, that was, God makes that decision. We don't make that decision. So when the land was, has, had to be leased out or someone had to sell their property, um, it's still going, you know, at the end of that 49 years, God says, you know, no, I, I want that land redistributed back. I want the, I kind of want the deck reshuffled again. I want equity to take place because, you know, God is always talking about equity and always talking about fairness and always talking about uh, the idea that um, we shouldn't get into this um, trend of hoarding wealth um, because we're hoarding wealth. That means that someone is doesn't goes without. And this idea that um, that could be uh, in perpetuity, that somebody is going to be poor forever um, is against the uh, idea of Jubilee. Um, how can I celebrate if I'm going to be poor forever? How can I celebrate if I'm going to be in debt forever? So, so let, let bring it to the to the here and now uh, a, a little bit. So, uh, if you were, if you know, if, if someone gave you a, a magic wand or or uh, um, or you know a, a, a decent amount of political power, okay, um, would would you uh, implement something like the like the jubilee year? Uh, like, how would that how would that work? Or at least what principles do you take out of that that could apply to our world today? Well, I think the idea, we, we actually use some principles. You know, I was in mortgages for a long time in finance. 
And so credit becomes, you know, comes up all the time. And I think some of the issues with regards to bankruptcy laws and credit rules that certain things roll off your credit or can be taken off your credit at a certain period of time. Um, you know, in seven years, some things can come off. Actually, now a lot of things can come off earlier than in seven years. Um, but the mission of those principles were based on what we see in the Torah, that um, after a seven-year period, a, seven, a, sh- a Sabbath, certain things should come off your credit. So for me, if I had a magic wand, I think one of the challenges now is income inequality. That's a big issue. And part of income inequality, um, and anyone may not agree with my, my philosophy, but I think we, <laughs> we, don't, uh, we don't tax the wealthy. Um, and that's always a sticking point for some people um, in, in the sense that um, if we allow a tax structure where wealth inequality continues to grow, um, you're going to have the haves and the have-nots and you're going to have a disruption in community. And I, if I had a magic wand, obviously I would tax the rich far greater <laughs> than it is right now, um, redistribute wealth. I would uh, have a period of uh, debt forgiveness. Um, in, in my mind, I would, you know, student loan, that kind of debt um, where someone went to school to better themselves, went to school to uh, better our community. Um, I don't think they should leave uh, straddled with debt that doesn't allow them. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't want my doctor worrying about a million dollars of student loan debt while he's working on it. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. But, you know, uh, debt forgiveness, I think will be a huge thing um, because, you know, that just continues inequality. Uh, when, when those who have a lot more are able to indefinitely continue to hoard wealth. I think we, just the other day in the news, they were talking about, oh, Jeff Bezos may become the first trillionaire. I mean, I'm not sure how close he is, and I don't think he's that close. Um, a, tr- a trillion from a billion is a, is a thousand times off, so I don't think he's a thousand times that ready yet. Um, but the idea that the talk someone could actually bring up uh, when 40, 36 million people are without work, that someone's going to bring up the idea of some, uh, someone becoming a trillionaire. Uh, that's crazy. Um, but that's, that's how our debt structure is set up, our uh, tax structure is set up. And I don't, think that's, that, I don't think that builds community. I don't think that provides equity. And so I had a magic wand, debt forgiveness would be a big one. What would happen if we didn't have our debts or our debts forgiven at a certain period of time? That'd be tremendous. Yeah, you know, it would. But I mean, uh, it would also, uh, um, you know, have, um, uh, have, have, you know, potentially unforeseen or, or, or challenging consequences, right? So, you know, we were talking about this yesterday and, and this happened, or, or at least the, the, the assumption was that it could happen uh, in ancient times when it came to the, uh, to the sabbatical year. Uh, and there was the, you know, cancellation of debts in, in the sabbatical year that the credit markets uh, froze up because nobody, wow. would, nobody was lending. And even though the Torah says specifically, you know, like, you're, you're going to not want to lend uh, because, uh, because you're not going to get paid back because the debt's going to be forgiven in the seventh year. Even though that's true, you still should be lending. So we have Absolutely. a religious obligation to keep on lending, but, yeah. uh, but the financial incentive isn't really there. And I think, uh, and I think but when you look in the text, uh, the verse uh, 18 through 22 becomes very important to that because the, the Lord says, if you don't follow these decrees, um, a couple of things are going to happen. You're going to have a safety issue and a provision issue. Um, it says, uh, you ask, uh, uh, let's see, uh, then you will say, follow my laws and you will live safely in the land, verse 19, 
and then mm -hmm. you will, then the land will yield its fruit. So it's almost as if, and I think you said Moses and, uh, makes it clear that this is what God gave us on, at Mount Sinai. So this is a pretty that gives us severity, uh, severity and uh, authority to this. That God is saying, if you don't follow this rule, one of these, which is one of these rules, um, you're not going to be safe in the land, and the land's not going to yield fruit. So the idea that if I don't loan or I don't make sure I follow the rules of Jubilee, that I am, I am taking some, I'm having some safety, I could have some safety issues in regards to people invading our land or my land wouldn't produce crops. The Jubilee is a, is a reminder that I've got to trust God. If I, even if I'm rich, I've got, to, I've got to have faith that says, you know what, I can, I can, I can release a debt and still God is going to provide for me and still take care of me. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so interesting that uh, I'm glad you pointed out that, that verse because it, uh, it, it, sh it shows a couple things. Um, the first is, you know, and I, I was just thinking about that, uh, about the Shemitah in this way, that like if you were a, you know, if you, if you had, uh, uh, you know, if you were a wealthy landowner, right, you, um, you, you were doing, you're well off, right? You might be able to say, okay, I'm going to, I, I have enough that I can put, you know, one seventh of my annual income into savings uh, every year for the first six years of the sabbatical so that even if I don't make a penny in the seventh year, I'll have enough to live off of, right? So a wealthy person might be able to do that, but a poor person may not. So there's a way in which the sabbatical year has the potential to exacerbate inequality. Like I, I think about, you know, uh, this moment that we're in that, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I said this uh, at the beginning of the service, I think that, um, uh, and there's a meme going around about this, that, you know, the, the people have been, you know, uh, taken to saying that, you know, in this moment, we're all in the same boat. Uh, but it's not really true, right? No, uh, no. I, I'm not in the same boat that, uh, that, that a lot of folks are in, because uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate in, in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed in a lot of ways. Um, and so I can ride out the storm in a way that other people can't. Uh, and so, you know, we may all be in, we may all be in the same storm, but we're in, but we're in different yeah. boats. Um, and so I, I don't know, I, I think about that for the sabbatical year, but maybe the Jubilee is a corrective of that, you know, that, uh, that the sabbatical year might exacerbate inequality uh, rather than uh, end it, but the Jubilee uh, seeks to end inequality altogether. And, and one, of the, um, one of the things that the verse that you read, uh, I think, calls attention to is the... Um, is the interconnectedness of, uh, of, of everybody, both, both rich and poor, uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, uh, in, in uh, those sort of, uh, of circumstances. So um, uh, I was reading a, uh, a passage uh, by, um, uh, by Rabbi Deborah Kolodny. You can't see my picture right now because I'm just looking at this uh, piece that she wrote. So she points out that, um, that uh, when you proclaim, when the text says, proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants, right? Mm -hmm. She points out that everyone is freed, master and slave alike. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so she, she notes about that, um, that, uh, uh, that, uh, that essentially that, that all of our freedom is bound up in each other's freedom, right? All of our well-being is bound up in each other's well-being. Um, and, so, and, and so she says that, um, uh, that gross disparities in income and wealth have social and economic costs for everyone, including the wealthy. Proof of this can be seen in the agenda of the World Economic Forum, which has begun to address income inequality, not because activists have taken over, but because industrialists are waking up to the reality that collective economic well-being 
is harmed by inequality. What do you mm. think about that? I think it's, I think it's true. Um, how am I going to, let's say I work, I make computers. Um, well, I'm going to be much more attentive to my job if, I'm, if, I, if I don't have to worry about you know, a roof over my head. Productivity um, in the workplace is definitely connected oftentimes to how things are stable in your life. So if I come to my job and I'm building computers, um, if I'm worried about how I'm going to pay the car note that, that, that the, the car that I drove to work, I might miss something and then I'm going to produce a defective product. And then ultimately, you know, if we're, if we're all producing defective products, um, that's going to cause a ripple effect uh, with regards to that company's uh, profits. So it, even in schools, you know, you, the, when students are, are, are well-fed or better, better fed, they do better in school. So we all benefit from everyone having um, their basic needs met. And so I think it's, um, it is definitely connected because um, I think oftentimes in the chase for profits, um, people forget that if people don't have their basic needs, um, they're not going to study well, perform well, um, do well on anything. And I think uh, it's definitely going to affect the bottom line eventually. So, I mean, that, that throws, you know, this idea into relief that, right, that, that uh, you can only live upon the land in security if you actually uh, follow a, a system that, um, that, that, that tries to put restrictions on, on inequality, right? That, that, mm -hmm. that, that forces us to, like, be in a position where we are concerned for each other's well-being and welfare. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that requires us to see each other as fully human. If I believe that someone is less than or believe someone is uh, their life doesn't matter as much as my life, then I don't value well I don't I mean I care whether or not they're eating or, or well fed or clothed. So it does it also it also reminds us, I think when the Lord says proclaim liberty, the Lord is saying, I value every person in the community, regardless of where your station has you at that particular moment. Everyone is free. Um, which elevates everyone. So someone might say, oh, well, that family's been poor for 40 years and they're not this and they're not that. Well, at the time of Jubilee, they're, they're elevated back to their original status, um, which is um, a picture of grace, uh, redemption. Um, so obviously it's a tremendous time of Jubilee to be restored like that. So I know that, uh, that, that you, you know, work a lot uh, uh, in, you know, in, in the social justice space. We, we, we uh, partner together, uh, our congregations partner together for, uh, in risk. And, and in particular, this year, we've been working a lot on um, evictions and affordable housing. Um, and that has uh, taken on a new sense of urgency uh, in, in this moment as, you know, as there's so much unemployment and economic hardship um, in those who... Um, were already most uh, vulnerable to, uh, to to lose their homes or to lose their apartments um, are, are, are even more so now. Um, so, uh, so how, how, what what um, what insight or inspiration does this text give to um, to to that issue um, or that work that we're uh, trying to do for for the for the city and for our communities? It's a it's a setting right things that have gotten out of hand. If the Jubilee is at that 49th, 50th year, okay, we, if, there were, if someone got in trouble, it's now time to kind of get their situation 
right, right there situation. And so what's going on with regards to certain uh, programs that we're doing, the eviction diversion program, um, uh, affordable housing uh, initiatives, what it's saying is for several years, we've seen a trend where things have been going in the reverse and the opposite direction of what they should be going. Home ownership is going down. Um, rental prices are going up. Wages are stagnant. We've got to put some stuff in place to right the ship. Because um, if, if Richmond is number two in evictions and, and, all, and there's a lot of disruption with regards to housing instability. And so what I see the Jubilee year is reminding us that God is saying, from time to time, I need you to right the ship. From time to time, I need you to uh, help people in a, in a tremendous way that a radical way that have fallen on hard times. And so oftentimes, for me, what it says, there's, there's certain periods in history that require a radical revolutionary redistribution uh, to right the ship, or it's because it cannot continue in the direction that it's going. You know, what, what, what it also makes me think about is, you know, uh, uh, how, um, how, how interconnected everything is, right? That, that it's, you know, it's another example of how, you know, things are, are ultimately, you know, not good for anybody if they're not good for everybody, right? So if, uh, if, somebody, if people lose their homes, right, uh, you know, how do you shelter in place and prevent the spread of a virus um, if, you don't, if you don't have a shelter, right? Um, and so that impacts, that impacts me because it makes it more risky for me to kind of go out and live my life too. Um, it puts my kids at risk, right? Uh, um, it, uh, it, it raises the, you know, raises the possibilities of, of crime. It diminishes schools. It, it depletes the workforce, right? So the, all these things are connected. Um, and so, you know, we say like, well, you know, why, you know, why should I care if, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, someone, you know, I live in, you know, I live in the West End right now. Why should I care if someone on the South Side loses their, loses their home, can't pay their rent? Um, and uh, he, he, the, I think what the Torah is pointing out is that there's a, um, uh, is that, you know, that impact, that actually does impact you too. You just may yes, not see that, the direct connection. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the Torah becomes very instructive because it reminds us, you know, that if something is being disrupted in one part of the community, that disruption isn't isolated. It isn't in a vacuum. Um, so if I, can't, if I lose my home and I don't have a place to stay, and that means I have to go somewhere where it may be a lot of people and where I'm trans, I, I might get sick. Next thing you know, I'm at the grocery store, get you sick. So, because I think what the, the pandemic does is the pandemic doesn't care how much money you have. <laughs> You know, um, and so because we didn't have things in place prior to the pandemic, now we're trying to fix stuff that should have been in place earlier. But a lot of times we didn't have those things in place because we didn't think uh, we were like, well, if I, I have if I have it all, I don't need to worry about someone who doesn't have it all uh, or doesn't have what they need. And the pandemic is showing that if we treated each other fairly prior to this, we would have been able to we would have been better able to handle the situation that we're in because we people didn't have food, um, the, idea, the idea that as soon as the pandemic started, the food lines and the food pantries were overwhelmed. You know, that meant that people weren't getting paid wages enough to save money, to have money to buy food. Um, and so we, we had a problem of wage stagnation, we had a problem of minimum wage, but we ignored it. And this, and now the government was forced to give people stimulus checks because we weren't paying people enough money to start with. If we were paying people enough money to start with, we wouldn't have had to put, give everyone a stimulus check now. 
But those kind of things are exacerbated in this time. Um, that these are things we should have done. Mm. So, but I can imagine, right? It, it, you know, I can imagine living in in Bible times, and uh, you know, the, the jubilee year comes, or the or the sabbatical year comes, right? And uh, you know, the, the land is lying fallow, and it's and it's you know, it's hurting uh, producers, uh, and it's uh, you know, it's it's you know, hurting the landowners, right? Or the jubilee comes, and uh, somebody who has like a very nice big plot of land, you know, uh, everything gets the deck gets reshuffled. Uh, and uh, and you know they they have to you know go back to an ancestral holding that is um, not as nice as what they uh-huh. as what they uh-huh. had before. I can imagine you know people taking to the streets with you know with 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 signs saying you know uh, liberate Judea, uh, liberate you know Benjamin. Um, so uh, uh, so how do you? But but it does point out that there is you know actual hardship uh, in you know in in these you know, in, in these sort of like radical reorientations of society in these, in these really, you know, pivotal um, and, and transformative moments. So what insight do you say to, to those who are really agitating for, uh, advocating for, you know, in, in this moment, right, uh, you know, uh, um, that the economic hardship is too high a price to pay uh, for, uh, for, for, you know, the uh, public safety concerns uh, that uh, that caused us to shut down the economy in the first place. Um, that uh, that that you know that the, the cure is worse than the disease. Basically, um, like what do you, what do you, what insight from the Torah abortion do you think there is to to say to 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 those people or in response to those people? I think for people, I think all throughout Scripture there's a common theme, and that's are we going to operate on fear or operate on faith? I think as the Israelites were transitioning from Egypt to the promised land, the issue kept coming up. Are we going to trust God and believe that God is going to provide what you see in the Sabbath day? You know, God's going to give you enough on the sixth day to cover you for the seventh day. Is God, can we trust God? And I think the idea of a lot of people are operating in fear. Um, I share with my congregation, um, we, don't, uh, we don't test God, we trust God. And the idea that we're, we're not going to operate on fear in the sense that we're not going to put ourselves in harm's way. We're just going to believe that we can shelter in place. We can, we can be careful. And God is still going to provide. Um, we, haven't had our, we haven't had our services in 80 days. We stopped on the 15th of March or something like that. We, we stopped before the 15th. We didn't have service that week. So whatever that lead, leading up to that week. Um, which has been about, I don't know, it's been over two months. Um, and initially people were like, well, we're not going to have any money or we're not going to this, this, this. And we've had, we've got, we actually had more income during these 80 days. I'm not sure what that says about my preaching, but we have more, more income <laughs> come in. Um, now, um, we're like, we're going to stay out till June. But I think we've got, people worried about the... <laughs> July, maybe it was. It keeps going like this. Um, but I think the idea of people operating on fear, and that's a, and, and oftentimes people hoard wealth based on fear, not just greed. But it's the idea that if I have to let go of something, that there's not, I'm not going. It's not going to have enough. But I think that's the issue. Is it fear or faith? Do I believe that God can provide everything I need, and I don't have to worry, and that I can be, I can be a generous. And, 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 and give back and, or I'm going to operate in fear where I'm like, oh, I, I have to hold everything tight because I'm afraid of losing something. 
Right. And I'll, I'll add one other uh, piece to that, if I, if I may, which is, uh, which is the role of love, right? So that, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I, I noticed as I was reading this, this passage, uh, and it's in, you know, especially, um, I think is uh, um, noticeable in, in the original Hebrew, um, that, it, th- that the term that, the por- that this portion keeps on using for, um, for the other people in your community are, is, is ach. Achicha, right? Your mm-hmm. brother, right? Mm-hmm. So that so that the person mm-hmm. across town um, is, that is, impact, right, is your brother too, right? Exactly. Right. That that nobody and nobody is disposable. Nobody is dispensable. Everybody is fully human, and everybody's connected to each other. So it, you know, instead of acting on, on fear about what you know, how's this going to impact me? You act on love about you know how if this if you knew that that was your brother across yep. town, you know, about to lose their mortgage, right, uh, or lose their rent, uh, lose their apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, how what how would you relate to them then? Yeah, you would you would you would, you would do everything you could because for you, if it was your brother that you love, you would actually give more. You 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 would you don't want to be extremely generous with them. Um, but I think, like I said, it elevates us to have an equal humanity. That okay, everyone is free, and I think it reminds us that the in God is no respecter of persons with regards to the rich or the poor. You know, at, at Jubilee, we're all we're all back to where we started, going into the Promised Land, um, and that is uh, that is revolutionary, um, and I, it requires a tremendous amount of not only love but of faith to believe that that I can trust that God's going to take care of me. Uh, so I think that that's a that's a great place to to pause for a moment. If you have a couple of minutes, uh, I'd love to invite anybody who has a a question or a thought to add to the conversation uh, to. Uh, uh, to feel free to do so. Feel free to unmute yourself if you uh, have a question or or a comment you'd like to add. You have another minute or two, Pastor. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Anybody? Am I unmuted? You're unmuted. Ah. Uh. Oh, okay. We have a little trouble. Uh, We're kind of breaking up, David. Uh, was just wondering, because David, I think there's a little trouble with your connection. Okay. Is this better? Yes. No. A little bit. Obviously not. Yeah, David, unfortunately, we're having trouble hearing you. Yeah. If you, if you want, you can uh, uh, write your question in the chat, and then we can uh, – um, it would normally – You're on the side of the room. All right, David, I'm going to mute you back. No. Um, David, I'm going to mute you. And if you want to uh, maybe type your question into chat, um, then you can then you can uh, ask it that way or, or make your or your comment. Any other questions or comments? Okay. Okay. I'd like to make a comment. Sure. Uh, uh, Reverend Hodge, I was with you on everything you said until you got to the part that you said you tell your congregation 
that you trust in God. You don't t- you don't test God. Yeah, that's not a Jewish trait. Okay. <laughs> Explain. Because we test God all the time. Oh, okay. There's a there's the one of the um, one of the uh, understandings of uh, of the name Israel. Uh-huh. Um, uh, comes from you know, in the book of Genesis where you, know, you have struggled with beings divine and human and have prevailed, right? So that we are, we're sort of like by definition, God wrestlers. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. All right. I, I, I understand. I think from my perspective, when I say we don't test God is that we don't, uh, we don't willingly put ourselves in harm's way uh, when we know better. Uh, so I wouldn't, I don't, I don't go into a room where I know everyone is sick saying, okay, God's going to protect me. That's, that's what I mean by saying we don't test God. We don't put ourselves in harm's way. Right. Uh, and, that, and that is also, you know, something echoed in, in Jewish tradition, right? That, uh, that, that, yeah, even though we are called to have, uh, you know, faith in, in God's goodness, right? We're, we're not supposed to put ourselves in harm's way and are supposed to take uh, all the necessary precautions to protect life. It's yeah. why, you know, uh, I'm about to read David's question, but he asked me a few, uh, a few weeks ago, you know, should we have a blessing for uh, putting on a face mask, right? We have blessings for, for everything in Judaism mm-hmm. and especially, uh, yeah. you know, uh, commandments that we fulfill. And so I, you know, I, we, there isn't a traditional one, um, but I said, listen, you know, uh, we, we are commanded, we have an obligation to uh, preserve and protect life and to save life, right? So if we're fulfilling a commandment by wearing a face mask, then we should maybe have a blessing for it. And so, uh, so I wrote a blessing for, for, for that, which... Um, uh, I, I discovered uh, in recent weeks had, had uh, gone viral, such as that is in the Jewish uh, community. Uh, and, and as ironic, I guess, as that is. All right, so David asked, Pastor, you seem to have a, uh, have a dim view of debt. Are you familiar with any of the anti-debt movements, such as Dave Ramsey or the FIRE movement? Um, well, uh, yes. Um, uh, Dave, uh, 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 with regards to me, yeah, I do know Dave Ramsey. Um, we teach portions of his uh, debt. Um, I think uh, there is a lot of good debt. Um, so I do, I do um, a differentiate between the idea of good debt and bad debt. Um, so um, I'm one of those persons that you know my home is a, is, is good debt. Um, when I needed, I have four sons, and I was sitting in college. Getting some student loans to me was a good investment. It was a good debt. Um, but then I think oftentimes there can be predatory type of debt and where people take advantage of those who are in crisis and give them uh, debt with uh, extremely high interest rates or an extremely high, uh, 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 what's the word I want to use, stipulations with regards to that debt. So I do differentiate between good debt and bad debt and then debt that has tremendously high interest rates that I don't think are uh, fair. And I think are predatory. And then there's also, you, know, you mentioned student debt, right? And there's, there's a way in which, you know, uh, we, we, we say to students, um, you need a college education to, uh, to, to, you know, ad- advance and to take on the roles that society needs uh, for, you know, needs populated. Uh, but, you know, but in order to do that, you're going to have to go into tens, you know, or even hundreds of thousand dollars of, of, of debt. Uh, to, to be able to take on those roles. So we, we kind of put people in a bind. Um, and, uh, and, and we, we therefore either say, you know, that, um, that, that the, 
you know, highest uh, paying uh, and most um, uh, the, the jobs that are most need of expertise um, are reserved only for the most wealthy who are already the most wealthy who can afford to do it without taking on debt. Um, or you need to um, uh, uh, do that education and take on those roles under, under the, you know, uh, sometimes crippling weight of, of, that, of that debt that may even be passed on to your children. Yeah. And I think when we look at the 35th and the 38th verse, the command to if this person's in trouble, because those the stipulations in uh, the rest of the chapter have to do with someone in trouble. And so we don't give them interest loans because they're in trouble. It's not they're investing in a business. They were, they were doing that, which I would consider, say, good debt. These are people who are already in trouble. And so the debt that was put on them was already a debt. And then add, to add interest to that was to add to their, their, uh, their, their, uh, their challenge already. But I don't have a problem with debt. I think the idea we want to differentiate between good debt and the kind of type of predatory debt that takes advantage of someone who is in a, a challenging situation. Um, all right, I think we're going to uh, need to close off this uh, portion of the conversation. Any final words, uh, either about this passage or, or just in general, you want to leave us with? Pastor? Thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this, you know, this is a really uh, powerful and, and, and radical uh, teaching uh, in in the book of Leviticus and, and from the Torah, uh, and uh, and you've really helped to bring it to life for us uh, for, uh, for for our moment and in, in, in our world. Uh, and uh, uh, we pray that we we'll, we get to continue to uh, partner along with you and, and your congregation yeah. uh, to uh, to move toward a society as the Torah says, in which there are no needy. Um, so thank you for your work and thank you for your spirit and thank you for your voice. Uh, and as we uh, conclude symbolically at least the book of Leviticus. We'll uh, we'll, we'll add uh, the the words of prayer uh, that are customary to add uh, to when we conclude a book of the Bible and studying it. Chazak, chazak, venit chazek. May you be strong. May you be strong, and may you continue to be strengthened, strengthen yourself, and strengthen each other. And we'll uh, offer a blessing to conclude the uh, the, the study uh, today. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam. Asher natan lanu Torah emet v'chaye olam nata betochenu baruch ata Adonai noten haTorah. This has been socially distant, spiritually close with Rabbi Michael Knopf. I hope that this episode has helped you find a little faith and hope, enrichment and uplift during this complex and challenging time. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. Please also rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice so that others will have an easier time finding us and joining in the conversation. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is recorded during virtual gatherings of my congregation, Temple Bethel in Richmond, Virginia. Socially Distant, Spiritually Close is produced by Dr. Gillian Frank. Our theme music is composed and produced by Stephen Frost. Our cover art was designed by Judith Russian using a photograph by Miriam Aniel. I have been your host, Rabbi Michael Knopf. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.